Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive I will never be the same I'm about to receive the incorruptible indestructible ever-living seed of the Word of God I will never be the same never 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 I will never be the same in Jesus name amen amen thank you Lord oh uh, about the girls' night out, you can get that information on the calendar, all the details, and uh, you can get that at the Connection Center. Also, uh, that's happening this Friday, and um, just wanted to let you know that uh, it's a little different than the, than the other life groups, but um, it's for the same, it has the same vision and the same cause. So, All right, today we are going back into James. We skipped over this portion of Scripture as we were going through James in the last, I don't know, four, five, six weeks, I don't know, five weeks I think it's been. And uh, so we're going back into James chapter 3, and uh, I could have just kept my mouth closed and nobody would have noticed, but I went right past this, and uh, the only reason I did that is because I wanted to teach it here at the end. Only, so this is like the, the end of the James message, but it's actually a two-part series of what I'm going to teach next week. So I don't know how you're going to do that, however you can figure that out, Mr. Gus, but uh, just figure it out and you can put it together. But today is Taming Your Tongue out of James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And it says, not many of you should become teachers. That's not nice. My fellow believers, because you know that we, oh Lord Jesus, who teach will be judged more strictly. Not by you, so you don't get to do that. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. That's, that's not me. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Those of you from California know what I'm talking about. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it sets on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. We have pets, all kinds of pets. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. You see why I skipped over this? Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And I was, I was reading through this. It was like, this is impossible. And the minute I said that to myself, I go, this, this is like, it's telling you you cannot, it's telling you you can use your tongue to worship God, but it's also telling you that same tongue is going to curse those that God created. How am I going to, right? It immediately brought me to, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. Remember that scripture? And we use that, we remove it from its context, and I'm not going to read it today, but we remove it from its context, and we immediately say that a rich person's not going to go to heaven. That's not what it says. And then we have, uh, uh, I'm going to, some of you scholars will have to research this on your own because I may tip some spiritual cows here this morning. But um, <laughs> uh, you've been told that the eye of the needle is the name of the door on a gate around the big walls that they would put in these cities, cities like Jericho. And it was called the eye of the needle because of the way. And you could get a camel in through that eye of the needle, but it was very difficult. Well, that door was not called the eye of the needle until 200 years after this scripture was written. So they couldn't have been talking about that. They were talking about the actual eye of a needle. A camel does not fit through the eye of a needle. But if you keep reading in context, it says what it is impossible with man is possible with God. And that changed, that changed everything for me. When I was reading this, I was like, okay, I know how hard it is to tame this thing. You know, when I became a Christian, I was a babbler. I said everything that came into my mind, I have no filter. I just... Blah, blah, blah. All right? And uh, I made it very difficult for my pastor. I was in his office all the time. Look at what it says here. Look at what it says there. My first one was women preaching. I was like, look at what it says in Timothy. Women have to be quiet. And the youth pastor hears a woman, and you need to get her out of that position because of what it says here. And, I, and he laughed at me, and I was serious. I mean, I was only saved about eight months, but I did something in youth, and she put me in discipline. It was a Spanish church. It was disciplina, and that only works with the Hispanics. I don't know. The Americans don't like discipline. You know, there, there's churches that in, in South America that have a section in the back. I know of one that has a section in the back. And if you do something in the church or you, if something doesn't go right or, or you commit a sin or whatever, you get sat in the discipline section. So imagine coming to church and having to go sit back there. And the pastor determines how long you sit in the discipline section. And I realized that it was real when I saw the pastor's son in the discipline section. <laughs> I was like, oh my, this is for real. He ain't messing around. <laughs> but see, what's impossible with man is possible with God. I can do this. I can tame my tongue, right? You guys are wondering what my pastor said to me, right? <laughs> I want to keep going, but I, I, can feel, I can feel it in the room like, oh, you got to tell me what he said. Well, he explained it to me out of the book of Corinthians that in the Corinthians church, which is what this was written under, uh, there were churches that were claiming to be Christians and they were run by women. And these churches were providing uh, prostitution in the church for men who were burning in lust. And uh, they did not want to be uh, identified as one of those churches. 
So they told the women, cover your hair, don't, you know, we have the, in Spanish it, it, it works because it's the five Ps for the legalistic type of uh, church, but in, in English it doesn't work, so I won't even say them. But, um, you know, they, they didn't wear makeup, they didn't fix themselves up, they covered their head. If they wanted to speak about the word, they had to wait to go home in the privacy of their bedroom with their husband and talk about the word with them there. And all the purpose of that was to keep the, the real Christian churches in the society that they were in not to be mistaken for the other church. Because if you really study it out, Jesus had two women that were disciples, Elizabeth and Tabitha. So, you know, he had women that were actually sent out to preach the gospel. Uh, even though, you know, the, the time that the Bible was written, women were not really mentioned as much in the Bible. Um, here's something interesting, and I'll keep going. Uh, in the Quran, Jesus is mentioned more times than Muhammad is. And they, they are very, they treat women or very beneath them. But the only woman mentioned in the Quran is the Virgin Mary. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the only way to tame your tongue is to have a confession that is grounded in the Word of God. You got to give your heart a vocabulary. You see, when I, I came into the kingdom, my heart had a vocabulary, and man, it was not good. In some churches, I wouldn't have been accepted because of the way that I spoke. I had adjectives that were not supposed to be used. They weren't in the Webster's Dictionary, <laughs> okay? And, and I shouldn't be using them, and I used them anyway, and I was loved anyway, even though my vocabulary was not very clean. But what happened, I began to hear the word. I sat under the word. I went to every service. I asked questions. I gave my pastors a hard time. If I read something in here I didn't understand, I would walk into their office I got in trouble for that because one of the pastors liked people to knock on their door. <laughs> I was like, look what I found. I was like, hey, you didn't even knock on my door. But I was so excited. I was learning something new. My eyes were open, but my language was still not there. And I was saying certain things a certain way. Look at this, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. You can read 11, 23, and 24, but these are some of my, some of my favorite scriptures. It says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And I had to study this out because I'm thinking he's got to mean prayer and we're just using the word says. No, it means to confess. It actually means says. Do you know that we pray for things that actually God gave us authority over? And what we need to be doing is speaking to those things rather than praying for God to do something that he already gave us the power to do. Some of you are looking at me, huh? The word say is the word lego, like legos in Greek. It says to say, to put forth, or to declare. That's my favorite one is declare because the word declare in Greek means to fence up, block up, stop up, Close up and to put to silence the opposition. It, wouldn't this be great if you could just say something and the opposition couldn't respond? We'd win every argument. <laughs> right? But see, when you say the word of God, the opposition has nothing to say. Jesus was tempted. And every time he was tempted, what did he say? It is written 
And the devil didn't try to continue to tempt him to tell him, oh, go ahead, turn it. You're hungry. I know what's written, but you can still. He didn't use the bread anymore. He moved to the next one. And what did Jesus say? It is written. Go ahead, jump off of here. He'll, He'll protect you. No, no. It is written. He never went back to that same temptation again. He was done the minute that Jesus said, it is written. He had to shut his mouth because it's truth. And, the li- and truth always trumps lies. Always. No pun intended. <laughs> Some of you got that. Your, wor- your words put to silence the, op- the opposition, but this works both ways. Watch this. Here's a confession. My help comes from the Lord, and by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. He is my provider Puts and, and puts to silence pain and disease and lack, right? Does that work? It works. And, you know, there's, there's, these are all based on scriptures. I'm not making these up, okay? Now here's, here's the confession on the other side of that coin. Oh, poor me. I have arthritis pain and I'm broke and I have no help. This will put to silence healing, provision, and your deliverance. It works both ways. I know what scripture you're thinking of. I'm going to get there in a minute. I know what you're thinking of. So, and I also understand that when you're in the middle of the tribulation or, or the trouble or the pain, you know, pain is hard to, to make confession when things are hurting. Right? Come on. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're in the midst of your pain. You're in the midst of things. Look, to your natural eyes, things are getting worse, and you've got to make a confession of faith. That's not easy. It's not easy. Seeing what's happening. And it's hard to thank God for your healing and confess that you're already healed when you're seeing what's happening to your body or to your mind. When you're going through financial difficulties, you need to confess what the book says, not what your bank book says. That's what we do, right? And we use the word, "Ah, I can't go, I'm broke. And we do it so naturally, right? It's an unruly evil, (laughs) right? Don't raise your hand. But one of the things that I regret the most about the things that I may have said over my children is when you get really upset, you say, what's wrong with you? That's not a good confession. There's nothing wrong with your children. They're perfect. They inherit the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus said. But we let those things slip because it's an unruly evil. So how then do you keep your confession? How do you stay in proper confession? Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his what? Well, doesn't words come out of your mouth? Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. See, abundance is not completely filled. It just means there's a lot more than everything else. doesn't mean that you have to have your heart perfect. It just means that you have to have more of God's word in there than the world, more of God's word in there than CNN, more, than, more of God's word in there than the doctor's report, right? How do you respond to these things? Because the word is going to overtake it. But if it's not there... The vocabulary is not there. And then out of the abundance of your heart, you know, everything that comes into your mind goes into your heart. 
So if you're saying things, then that's what's in your heart. I was talking to a gentleman the other day about, he was, we were talking about uh, uh, him getting into ministry, and his wife said something to him, and, and he said something back, and, and she, you know, in the middle of their argument, she goes, well, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, so that must be true, because he had said something he shouldn't have said. <laughs> I was like, man, she's using the Bible to beat me up in the middle of our argument. <laughs> But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if proper confession comes from the heart, then we must give the heart a proper vocabulary so that it speaks blessings and not curses. Proverbs 16, 23, God's word translation. A wise person's heart controls his speech. Well, wait a minute. Didn't we just read that the tongue is an unruly evil and no man can control it? That's right. No man can. But the heart? See, the heart, when it says heart, it's, it's a mixture between the spirit that lives inside of you, which is God, and your soul. Heart is spirit and soul. I have a spirit, right? I have a, a, a spirit that has a soul and it lives in a body. We're three parts. So a wise person's heart controls his speech. And what he says helps others learn. <laughs> Good or bad, right? Proverbs... <laughs> I got to go there. You ever get with somebody that you go and you go, oh, man, you know, I went to the doctor and, and they told me that I got whatever. I don't even want to say, I don't even want to confess these things <laughs> in gist. And then the other person goes, oh, yeah, I had that. And now I have this. Oh, yeah. And my, oh, man, oh, yeah. And then it becomes like a, like a competition. Who's got the worst disease? Yeah. Your response should be, oh, let me pray for you. <laughs> Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your... For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So here's your prescription. I'm not a doctor. Uh, Pastor Sean, by the way, those of you who know him, he's on our board. He oversees the ministry here along with Pastor Fred. Pastor Sean just got an honorary doctorate's degree. So uh, we're hoping to get him down here soon. So the next time he comes, please call him Dr. Sean or Dr. Larabo and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, make a little fun of him. So I did. I told him, doctor, uh, I, I need some help. I need, I have this mole I want you to look at. So uh, he's not that kind of doctor. He already had his master's degree in divinity. So now he's got a doctor's degree and they gounded him up and everything. So uh, praise the Lord. He deserves it. He's been in ministry so long and given his life, not just for this country, but for the Lord. So Proverbs 20, Proverbs 7, 1 through 3, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them to your fingers and write them on the what? Tablet of your heart. See, this is not a pencil on a piece of paper that you can take an eraser. What do you do with a tablet? You chisel it. And once it's written in there, there ain't no erasing it. It's chiseled, right? In the tablet of your heart. Let it be there always. Once you put it there, it should never go anywhere else. Keep the, the words before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life and health. You know, the word prescription means written before. Prescription. Right? So why don't we take our prescription? 
If I told you, let's take our prescription uh, three times a day, and I, I've taught this here before, right? You take three times a day and, uh, it, and uh, uh, make sure that you take it with plenty of water, because water is the word, right? Washes and cleans and renews your mind. So take your prescription three times a day. And the side effects, you ever seen that? Those, they make me laugh. I don't know what it is. There's a new one out now uh, for tendonitis on your, on your elbow or whatever, right? And the guy talks about, oh, having pain, and then he wants to play golf. And, you know, so they show, oh, you just you take this or whatever. And then at the end, diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, headaches, uh, you know, uh, 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 blood pressure goes up if you're taking a certain medicine. If you're taking a blood thinner, then you can have internal hemorrhaging and you could die. I think I'll just put up with the, with the pain on my elbow. Right? That, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that little white ball still has me. <laughs> I got to beat this thing. But... <laughs> Right? I oh, just wear that little thing there or whatever. You take all, and then all the side effects, and we still take them. The doctor gives you a prescription. You just trust the doctor. Listen, I have a doctor. He's, he's a surgeon, man. He's the best there is. And he prescribed me a word. He prescribed me something. I'm going to take this three times a day so that when my confession, which declares... Okay, I'll say it. Life or death. If my confession is going to declare whether I'm healed or whole or sick, or, then I need to change what's coming out of my mouth. So how, what do I do? I change what's in my heart. By what? By taking his prescription. It's health to my body. Medicine. Right? <laughs> and I won't teach it here. Maybe one day Pastor Fred will teach it here. But he has a teaching on the apothecary. It is so good. And how to take the word. You know what an apothecary is, right? They little thing and you mix it and they make the, that's how they make the medicine. <laughs> okay, let me keep going because then I'm going to get off track here. Romans 10, 8 through 10. Very familiar scripture, right? Uh, but what does it say? The word is in you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen to 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Did you know that you got to say something to be saved? If you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, okay, I believe in God. I was raised Catholic. I was raised. I'm, I'm studying out the Anglican Church. I didn't know much about it. We have somebody in our family that was raised Anglican and now uh, is no longer in the church. So I want to know what you know what they were raised in. So I'm studying that out. But you could, you could have been raised in anything that believes in a God. So you believe in God. But you know, until you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we, we, come, we come up with a, a, a sinner's prayer, and I know some of that is in Romans and, and all that, but there's no special little liturgy that we could just say something and, and, you're, and you're saved. I've had people get saved by confessing, I'm a sinner, Lord, forgive me. I got saved like that. 
Confess your sins to the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Come live in my heart. Change me from this day forward or whatever. And then you, you, know, you say amen. I, I, that's the prayer I did. That what they, they would consider what we call the sinner's prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. I had a, a gentleman uh, uh, stand up in the middle of a, a school of leaders class. He wasn't saved. I was teaching on salvation about it being now and later, about it being not just something that you get on the by and by, but salvation begins the day you get saved. Did you know that? All the benefits, look up soteria. Salvation is the word soteria in the New Testament. Look at what it says. The completion of what Christ did on the cross now. Not when you go to heaven. Now. That's, that's a big deal. Look it up. You, you, you'd be interested in, in seeing what it says there. But now where was I? <laughs> I hate when that happens. <clears throat> so this guy was in, in, uh, in my school of leaders class on salvation. And he stands up, interrupts my class. Can you believe that? How bold and rude. And he stood up. He goes, I want that. And I looked at him and I said, will you follow Christ from this day forward from the rest of your life? He says, I will. I said, then you're saved. And all he said was, I will. And he sat back down and everybody kind of looked at me. And when the class was over, why didn't you ask him to do the sinner's prayer? It's not the sinner's prayer that saves him. It's Jesus that saves him. Right? But he had to say something. I will. Two words, and that, and that young man was saved. He ended up coming to church. He ended up getting married, having kids in the church, and, uh, and, and serving in the ministry there and everything. So all because he said, I will. <clears throat> the directions from your heart to your mouth are specific, as we just read in Romans 10. One must believe with the heart first. Then confession comes after. Your confession does not put the word of God in your heart. Your faith does. Faith comes by and hearing by the word. So once you put the word in your heart, then that's what you're going to confess. You're going to confess faith. This is what happens in Christianity. We don't want to put the word in our heart. We don't want to spend the time in, in, in prayer. We don't want to spend the time learning it and getting it from our mind to our heart and having the word become part of us. So what do we do? We put faith in our confession. And that's not what... Because we have faith in the word, we confess. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You can say that a million times. Why do you believe you're healed? Because the word. Because of the word. Because of what he said, not because of what I say. So if we stand on what he said, then it changes our confession. See, I don't want this to, to become, oh, he's teaching positive thinking, positive words, and positive outcome. Although they may sound real, they may sound true, but that's the, 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 you know, the world's way of, of making this work. No. Confession of the word. Right? Our confession should be centered around five things. I don't know if this is in, in your notes or not, but if it's not, then you can go and listen to this later and get them because I can't go slow enough for you to write it. Our confession <clears throat> should be centered around these five things, and I won't cover these today. Uh, I'm just going to run through them and then uh, cover our faith for confession. It, it's, our confession should center around five things. One, what God has done for us in the plan of redemption, what God has done in us through his word and his spirit, what we are to the Father in Christ Jesus, 
what Jesus is accomplishing for us now at the Father's right hand, he's making intercession for us, and what God can accomplish through us. That's what your confession should be. And, and the, I love the last one. I mean, they're all great, but, uh, you know, I always, sometimes I, 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 the devil just ticks me off. And I tell him, I said, listen, I'm a son of the almighty God, bought by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> You're messing with the wrong guy. Right? Sometimes you just have to, sometimes you have to pray through your teeth. Huh? And tell the enemy what's up. And how do you tell the enemy? It is written. Not by your own, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I go to church every day. I'm telling you, devil, I go to church every day, and I carry this big old Bible, and I wear a tie, and I do this, and I do the other. And it's all, that's all about you. What you got to tell the devil is what he said about you. Even though you may not believe what he said about you. That happens to me sometimes. Right? Me and Jim are the only ones that that happens to. Sometimes he says stuff about me, and I'm like, wow. Do you know why? I know you guys have heard me say this scripture over and over and over out of Romans. That the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives inside of me and quickens my mortal body. Do you know why I keep saying that? Because I'm still, I'm getting closer every time I say it. But I'm just, the power of God to resurrect the dead lives inside of me. Woo! That's, that's you know, that one I got to chew. That one's not just, you know, that one you got to kind of chew on for a little while. The pa- For he can do exceedingly abundantly come on i want to start doing the chicken thing exceedingly abundantly (laughs) above all that we could ever ask or think we love that right up to there we don't want to go on because it's so hard to swallow this one according to the power that works in us what exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think that power is in us to me, I read that scripture so many times, I was like, amen, that's so good. And one day in, in Bible school, I preached on that scripture in one of my pulpit uh, speech classes. I preached on that scripture. I said, what if God was actually kind of slapping us around a little bit? If he could do that, right? What if he was kind of waking us up? Hey, you're asking and your thinking is not at my level yet. That's what he's saying. For he could do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think according. See, the power I put in you can do all this, and you're way down here. When I saw it that way, I started saying, okay, I need to to get my asking and my thinking to a place that's beyond anything that I could ever accomplish that only God could do, because that way he gets the glory and the honor and the praise. Because if I could do it or man could do it, I don't need God. But man, once I get to that place where I'm confessing something, where I'm confessing the impossible. See, that's where God works. He works in the impossible. <laughs> that's, that's where, his, that's where it is his forte, that's where his specialty is, the impossible. Faith for confession. Woo. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. You guys are going to know a lot of these, but I want to get to a certain point here at the end. And, and we're still talking about taming your tongue. 
You see, I could have talked about taming your tongue and said all the bad things that we all say all the time. And, and how are we going to tame this tongue? And see, when it comes about the tongue, it comes about confession. So taming your tongue is not just about not saying the wrong things. It's about learning to say the right things. It's not good enough that Egypt, that uh, Israel was delivered from Egypt. They had to be delivered into the promised land. It's not good enough that you would say no to drugs. Thank you, Bush, right? Say no to drugs. It's not good enough that you say no to drugs. you got to say yes to something. It's not good enough that you reject what's bad. you got to say, you got to accept what's good, right? So it's not good enough that we would learn to, to say these things and not have the word in us. And it works both ways. I want to make sure that I'm confessing the right prescription. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good... The elders... I'm going to, go, I'm going to take a... Uh, no, I don't have time, but I'm going to do it anyway. For by the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds are what? Framed by the what? Word of God. So that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. The Word of God takes what's not... He doesn't take something and make something out of it. He creates out of nothing. Nothing. Because He said something. And He gave us that power. When, there's, when you look at something, there's, there's nothing here. My bank, is em- my, my, my bank account is empty. There's nothing here. <laughs> Give me the opportunity to be able to put my hands to work because your word says that whatever I put my hands to shall prosper. You see, I could have said, Lord, I need you to miraculously put money in my bank account. That's not scriptural. Even though you're confessing it. That's not how it happens because then where's that coming from? Who lost their money so you can get yours? He's not going to bless you at the expense of another. Put your hands to something. Ask God to give you something to put your hands to, and he will bless you. Your confession, framed by the word of God. Sometimes your confession doesn't cause an instant. This is the side road I'm going to take. doesn't cause an instant uh, uh, change in your situation, in your health in your finances, in your depression, in your oppression, whatever it is that we're going through, whatever that is. Sometimes there's not an instant change. You know why I know that? Because here it says, by the elders. What does it say? By faith, understand the words are framed. Where am I? For by the elders obtained a good testimony. And then he's talking about faith. <laughs> i got to read it again. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And that, that we know that scripture, and we want faith to be a microwave. But the examples that he gives of these elders, it was not an instant miraculous thing that happened like that. Abraham, Noah, Moses, Ahab. Come on. You go through Read those stories. It was, not, it was a process. Something that they had to continue to confess and have faith for. Imagine Noah. What are you building a boat for in dry land? There ain't ain't even a a pond anywhere near here. Rain's coming. What's that? Rain? 
You know, rain's coming. What? Rain's coming. And he did that for 120 years. Kept building and building and building and building. His confession had to be right, I would think. Did you know that you could frame your world, your situations, and your circumstances with the Word of God? With faith's dynamic trio. Three simple things you need to know to frame your world. Ready? You got to change. You have to learn how to think right, how to believe right, and how to confess right in that order. Because your thinking is determined by what you put into your mind. But that that doesn't bring forth faith. When you take what you're thinking and what you're reading and what's in your mind and you put it in your heart, then you begin to believe right because it becomes part of who you are. Nothing can change that. You can change your mind. You can't change your heart. Once your heart begins to change because of the Word of God, it goes there and your faith... You've seen those people that just... Brother Hagen, 88 years, 66 of them in ministry, born with a disease that should have killed them at 14 years old. Laying in bed, ready to die. Ready, Mark 11, 23 and 24, changed his life. Stood on that word, confessed that word, professed that word, and then he was in ministry. The Lord called him to ministry so strongly that he just had to preach, he says. And I didn't know what to do, so his mom had a, 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 a garden in the back of cabbage, you know. And he goes, I would set up a little wooden thing and I would stand out there and I'd preach to the cabbage heads because he just couldn't contain himself because of the calling on his life and God's healing had come upon his body and healed him of an enlarged heart and, and, and infected blood. And he lived the rest of his life in ministry. And he says, I preach to the cabbage heads. And then he would say, and today, I, sometimes I still feel like I'm preaching to the cabbage heads. <laughs> Only he can get, I'm just quoting him, only he can get away with that. Bless your loving hearts and your stupid minds. I don't know how he gets away with stuff like that, but he did. I can't wait to see him in heaven. For these three principles work in your life, and you must learn to apply them in sequential order. You must think right to believe right, and you must believe right to confess right. See, likewise, if your thinking is wrong, your believing is wrong, and then your confession will be wrong. So if your confession is wrong, go back to the beginning. Renew your mind through the word, get the word into your heart, and your mouth will begin to say. Some, sometimes you'll say something, you go, wow, I can't believe that just came out of me. We say that now, but in the negative sense, don't we? Proverbs 18, 21. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Finally, you're going to use that scripture. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. See, this seems serious. If we are thinking right and believing right, then we will not be confessing right. And according to Proverbs 18, 21, there's only... Two ways this, this can go. Death or life. There's no down the middle here. There's not life kind of, eh, you know, okay, I'll struggle through life. No, it's life or death. We need to change what we're saying and frame our world. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Your thinking has to do with your mind, your believing has to do with your heart, and your confession has to do with your mouth. Remember, an unruly evil? Now we're beginning to control it. Why? Because we're giving our heart a vocabulary, and we're beginning to confess what's in our heart. If you want a better life, you have been living, then you must learn to think, believe, and speak the Word of God. Your present condition was shaped, framing your world, by the thoughts, beliefs, and the words of your past. My mom and I were talking about this the other day. 
I told her the triple D, and then she couldn't get out of her mind. She's texting me, what is it? And I told her four times, send me the triple D. Decision determines destiny, right? The decision that you made yesterday will determine the destiny, right? So I used to, I used to teach this in prison and at the drug rehabs when I was uh, an associate pastor. I was very involved in our community and had the time, and I was able to, to do these type of ministries. But in prison, I would tell them, the decisions that you made determined the, where you're at today, they all blame, they all, oh, the police, all, oh, 99% of them are, are innocent, right? Is that, is that okay, Karen? Am I, am I okay there? Uh, Bruce and Karen moved here from Oregon, and uh, they were both in prison ministry for a long time. And, they, and many of them have excuses. They, you know, it's okay to have a reason for something, but once you have an excuse, you never, le- you never get out of it. If you have a reason, you can always change, right? But an excuse doesn't, let, doesn't give you room to change because you have an excuse. So a lot of them were in there, and you would, you know, and I would tell them, decision determines destiny. Where you, so what do you have to change in order to be somewhere else tomorrow? Your decisions. Because that will determine where. The same way with your confession. If your confession has led you to a place that you don't want to be, change your confession. Change the way you're talking. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how, what the circumstance looks like. I don't care. Listen, you may start confessing the word of God over a circumstance in your life, and probably will get worse. That's next week. Nobody's coming back. Next week is enemies of, of faith passing the test. Passing the test. I'm going to teach you how to pass the test next week. You, <laughs> you got to change what you're saying. So God has given us uh, his word to get our minds straightened out so we could in turn believe and confess according to his word. Romans chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. We're almost there. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Probably, if not 100% of us, most of in the room right now would say, I don't believe I'm in the perfect will of God. Not because you've done anything wrong or because you're sinning or you feel unworthy. We're going to take care of all those next week, by the way. Right? Not because of those things, but because of what you're going through. Something's negative in your life or the life of your loved one or, or something in your mind or your body or, you know, we're all going through something. So how do I, what the perfect, that I may prove what is the perfect, good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That's how they say it in the Midwest, measure, measure of faith. Everyone has a measure of faith. What are you going to do with it? Me? I'm going to feed it every chance I get. I want it to become the giant in my life. I want it to become the thing that rises to the top. You ever make Cuban coffee at home? Not with a machine. Now with those little percolator things, and it makes the foam. Real Cuban coffee, you got to make a paste, right? My mom says it's all in the wrist. It's all in the wrist, right? 
you the little you get one of those Italian coffee makers, and the first little drip of tar that comes out of because that's how thick it is comes out the top. You put that in a little bit of sugar, and you just keep going, and it turns into a paste. And then when you take the coffee and you pour it into that sugar, I haven't had sugar in a month and a half. So just talking about it, my mouth is watering. <laughs> you pour that coffee into the sugar, and it creates a little foam head on top. Espumita. Right? See, when you go to a cafe shop, and they go and they create that foam. That's just bubbles in the milk. or bu- That's just bubbles. But when you do it the right way, that foam on top is made from the sugar. <laughs> right? That's why when you go to a Cuban place and they give you, and you go, and it leaves that little, that little, yeah. and you go like that, right? It's because that sugar, ooh, it's sweet. That foam, it rises to the top. The sugar, why? Because you sat there and you... That's why this arm is bigger than this one, because I make a lot of Cuban coffee, right? And you make it and you, and you drink. So it rises to the top. Listen, work out your faith. Exercise your faith and take the proper proteins and, right, whatever you want, to, the, the way you ever... I used to, man, I was 150 pounds, and I couldn't gain a pound. And then all of a sudden, I started eating five meals a day. And then after that, I stopped working out and kept eating the five meals a day. All right? There's muscle under here, I promise. There really is. Believe me, it's the truth. It's my confession. (laughs) What's rising? (laughs) Don't laugh at me. (laughs) What's rising to the top in the midst of your situation? Oh, poor me. The doctor said this. and Or the word of the Lord says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am already healed. The Lord God is my healer and my provider. He is my shepherd and I shall not want. He will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Is that what's coming out of your mouth? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Some of us need to be reproved. Some of us need to be corrected. For correction, you got to make yourself, put yourself in a place that you allow yourself to be corrected. We have so much tradition. And, listen, we say all oh, these, these, these traditions that we do in the Catholic church or these traditions that we do in these other, they're just unscriptural. Listen, we got things that we do in the Christian church that are unscriptural. Right? We're not perfect. I'll never forget Papa Hagen. We, we were having... Uh, Brother Hagen, I used to call him that, but um, we were having worship during school one day, and there was about 3,000 students in their auditorium there in their church, and uh, there was worship going on, man, and it was just so good, and, and then this next song came on, and they started saying these words, and, you know, in the church part of it, it was his son, who's now, uh, uh, you know, Pastor Hagen that's running the church and the school, actually, uh, but when he was alive, he ran the school, so he kind of had a little bit of authority. And he went up there and asked for a mic, and they brought him a mic, and he shut the whole worship down right in the middle of the songs, and he said, in the middle of that song, I don't remember what we were saying or singing, he says, that song is unscriptural. 
I don't want my students confessing that. Imagine the worship team. <laughs> or the person who picked that song. <laughs> their stage, now they changed it now because they, they decided to leave it, but their stage used to sink. So they would, be, they would go up underneath and they would all tune their, because it was a whole orchestra. They would tune all their, their things and then as worship started, the stage would rise up and the worship team would come up on the stage, right, from underneath. So that, that you know, imagine... You want, the, you want to hit the button to have the stage go back down, right? <laughs> He's talking about us. He goes, I don't want to hear that song in here again. And he handed the mic back. And we didn't know him. He would stop him. He would say, because he knew the importance of confession. He knew how important it was to say things. And he says, we're allowing these students to sing this. Not good. Now, I'm not going to read these. Uh, I'll give you the scriptures, Numbers uh, 13 and Numbers uh, 14. Uh, and this was when uh, Moses sent out the spies of the land of Canaan, and they ran into giants. You guys know the story, right? And they went in there, and there was, uh, 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 you know, milk and honey, and they had, and, you know, but uh, 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 they came back, and Caleb and Joshua had a good report. And the other 10, there were 12 of them, and the other 10 were like, no, we can't defeat these people. We're like grasshoppers to them. But they had seen the same thing. Did you know what happened? The confession of the 10 took over the confession, the faith confession of the two. They even, the Lord said, <laughs> I mean, to me, it's like, the Lord said, this is our land. The Lord said, we will overtake them. The Lord said, and they still, so do not surround yourself with faithless people that are going to speak into your life and rob you of your confession of faith. It, listen, oh, they need, they need my presence so that, you know, they can get saved and all that. Listen, if they're pulling you down into their pit, you're not saving them. You're not saving them. Now, can you be an acquaintance with people like that? Can you be around them? Yeah, at work and stuff. Sometimes you, and some of you know, you sit in the cafeteria at work or you sit somewhere with some of your, uh, and they tell you, you know, all kinds of stuff. La peluqueria. You go to the, the salon, the, the women's salon, right? Oh, man. You can hear all the gossip there. You get your nails done and you find out everything about the woman that's doing your nails, all about their husband. Go to the Vietnamese place. They don't speak English. You won't have to hear any of that stuff. They don't want you to know that. See, all 12 spies saw the same thing, but these two had heard something different. See, they had heard that the Lord had said, the Lord had said, the Lord had said. They framed their world. In 1 Samuel 17, we're not going there either. David, the Uber Eats driver, shows up with cheese and bread for his brother. Little old, scrawny, ruddy little David shows up, right? If we can get uh, the kids in here and get my wife and little, uh, the rest of the worship team can make your way up. Little, ruddy, little David. He comes, my dad sent me, daddy sent me with this here. Here's, here's the cheese and here's the... Here's the bread, and, 
And then he goes, what's going on down there? What was going on was there was a giant in the valley, and he was making a confession for days. For days until a man of faith shows up, a little man of faith. Let's call him the teenager of faith, the child of faith. He shows up and says, he didn't let him go on for another day. He didn't let him go on for another minute. He didn't let him go on for another hour. What did he do? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He didn't mention his size. He didn't mention, he mentioned the fact that, that he wasn't part of the, the Israelites because of, of something he didn't have done as a baby. Who is this guy that you allow to this to continue to go on? I mean, David was probably a little nicer about it. Here's your bread. Here's your cheese. Have a seat there. I'll take care of this. And then his brother goes, here, if you're going to do this, let me at least put an armor on you. So when I go back and tell my dad that you're dead... At least I, I tell him that I put an armor on you. And David's like, no, no, I've never tested this armor. Listen, there's such a message here, you guys. What did he have tested? His confession. What did he do? He began to pull his chest out, throw his head up and says, with these bare hands, when I was shepherding my sheep, I killed a bear. I grabbed a lion by his beard and I brought him down. And with these bare, I did. What was he doing? He was in confession that the Lord had strengthened him to take down a bear and to take down a lion by his beard. That's a little too close for the mouth for me. But he took him down by his beard. And then after that, he says, Who? Who is this guy? What is this cancer in my body? What? Not one more day, not one more hour, not one more minute. It's time to speak to those things according to the word. Who, what, this thing, that doesn't belong in me. What is this going on in my mind? You don't belong there. These thoughts don't belong there. These feelings don't belong there. Let me go get my slingshot and my little rock. That's all you're going to take. That's all I need. Why? Because of what I just said. Not because of the slingshot and the rock. I could have gone down there and kicked him in the shin. He would have fell to the ground. Why? Because of what he said. Who is this? And what do we do? We begin to accept what's happening in our lives as our own. My, my, my. You ever seen that commercial? My mesothelioma. I know how to say the word because I've seen him. The guy says it like 10 times in the commercial. If he's just an actor and he never had it, he's got it now. He said, my mesothelioma, my headaches, my... I went through something a year and a half ago, maybe more, almost two years. Time goes by so fast after COVID, I don't even know what's going on. Right? We missed a whole year there. It's like, I don't even know where, what year are we in. And, and the doctor said, your, how are you doing with your, and, and I'm not even going to say it, with your, and I was like, oh, and I stopped it. I stopped him and I said, no, 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 listen. I may be going through this right now, but it's not mine. 
And he was like, wow, that's really good. I've never heard that before. I said, well, you've heard it now because it does not belong to me. This body belongs to the Lord because he gave the body of Jesus to inherit me. He paid the ultimate price of his blood to make me a child of God. And a child of God should not have these things happening inside of them. And when they do, it's because he's about to glorify himself by your faith, by way you think, what you have in your heart, and what comes out of your mouth. Begin to frame your world with your confession. Sometimes you do it without even having any faith. But as you say it, man, whoo, the Lord says, the Bible says, the Word says, I'm going to frame my world. You cannot frame your world with the Word of God and have sickness inside that frame. You cannot frame your world with the Word of God coming out of your mouth and have poverty inside that frame. It doesn't work. He takes nothing and makes something. And He takes the something that's in you and He makes nothing out of it. Oh, you didn't get that. <clears throat> Jim got it. He takes the something that's in you that doesn't belong from him, and he makes nothing out of it. Not as if it was never there. See, God doesn't do things, and then all of a sudden there's a little bit left over, so you could, no, I don't need to remember where I was. I need to know that my mouth says, I'm a son of the Almighty God. I am healed. I am whole. And when God does it, it's as if it never happened. You're believing for your children, and they're going to come back. Oh, they're going to come back damaged. No, they're not. He makes the new creations as if it never happened. Just stand to our feet this morning. We want to sing that last song. Oh, you want to do the last song? Yes. Oh. Because we're going to sing louder, we're going to speak louder, and you're going to begin in the middle of this song, you're going to begin to speak to your circumstance, yes. the Word of God. And I believe that as we do this now, as we, as we play this song, and you sing along, and begin to change the words for your own circumstance, that healing is coming to the house. Your, let me not, let me not say it that way, His words, not your words, His words coming out of your mouth. We'll change your circumstances and frame your world. You believe Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. 
If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.